Things got shaken up a bit this week. Is down in the SEC this weekend. Georgia narrowly escapes Auburn for a win, and there was a wild one in Oxford. The Big Ten schools keep playing defense, and Pac-12 schools do anything but that. Welcome to TNA Top Ten. We'll run it all down and give an update on where my computer pole stands. Andrew, what's on your mind? All right, Terry. I'll, I've got a question for our 29 listeners we gained to this past week, and that is what in the fuck is targeting? That's what I want to know. What exactly is fucking targeting? I've seen seven interpretations of the rule this weekend. Everybody's got a different rule. Here's the problem with targeting in my mind. You could get called for targeting one minute into the second half of the game, have to sit that entire 29 minutes and sit another 30 minutes the following week. You can hit a man in the hip and it's targeting. You can blindside somebody, and it's targeting. You can straight up tackle somebody, and it's targeting. But targeting has such implications on the game as we saw in the national title game with Clemson and Stolsky several years ago that at this point, it's time for the NCAA to figure out exactly what targeting is because they honestly don't know. That definition has gotten broader and broader and broader, and the rule, unfortunately, changes the complexion of multiple games as we saw with North Carolina State and Louisville this weekend, along with the Notre Dame and uh, Duke game, a targeting call on a hip for Pete's sake. So, Terry, that's where I'm at. Somebody better explain to me what targeting is, because quite frankly, I don't think anyone knows. We'll see. thought you were going to give crap on something else here. I don't ever know what you're going to talk about. And I was going to tell you, quit being such a negative ass but I can't really argue with you this time because I kind of agree there. I, I was going to tell you I'll pray for you. That's about all I can do. But, um, yeah, maybe we'll find out some more rule changes on targeting. Maybe it'll be cleaned up. I doubt it. It's just going to be a controversial I mean, thing. Yeah, I think don't. one of the other controversial things is something we haven't talked about yet is there's no first down advantage any longer. The clock runs. And so – you know, we heard that early in the season that some of these high offensive uh, minded coaches, you know, were complaining that they may have to you know, run the run the offense even faster or not have as many opportunities at the ball. Um, I don't know. Old Miss and LSU had a shootout this weekend and it was rather entertaining. But um, I don't know. Some of these rule changes, I don't I don't particularly like starting the clock. I understand it speeds the game up a little bit. But if you got a first down, you got a first down. This is college. You put a knee down, you're down. This is college. You need one foot in, not two. This is college. And whatever the fuck targeting is, this is still college. Well, uh, to kind of expand on that, this is college. I'm I'm all for keeping ties in the game. I mean, I've spoken a little bit to you. I don't know if it was on the show or not. But, you know, one factor with me with Florida State is the overtime win. Um, I do not treat that the same as a win in regulation. Um, I believe ties should be part of the schedule. And I guess they just um, – they wanted winners for everything. But when things are decided based on uh, people um, figuring out like, – like our like our poll, we just scratch our heads a little bit, look at a whiteboard. I mean, do we really need a winner there? I don't think so. Um, and we can look past losses. We can definitely look past ties. But um, I'm going to treat it – I'm not going to treat it like a tie because, you know, Florida State did eventually win the football game, but I'm not going to treat it like they beat Clemson by 
three points in regulation or something, it's it's different. So, you know, I'm old school a little bit. I don't complain about the forward pass or or um, play action or anything. I'm a little newer school than that, but um, I wish we had some of the old stuff back, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that the I don't know that the um the overtime is such a problem in my mind, but to your point, you can go. We saw last year it was Illinois and Penn State, I think they went seven or eight overtimes. It was something ridiculous. Um yeah. and and you're right. If you couldn't beat them in sixty, does that make you a better team because you beat them in sixty five minutes? You know what right. I mean? I d I don't I don't know. You couldn't get the job done inside of regulation. You needed the overtime. Or is that a statement that you're dealing with two really good football teams? Because we did get a little pushback this week, Terry. And let's put it out there for our fans. I know you've got your agenda, despite the fact you say you're trying not to be anal, Terry. Which, by the way, <laughs> you have to be very careful when you say that out loud. But hashtag anal Terry will be trending this week uh, for our 29 listeners. But the bottom line to me on, uh, <laughs> on, on this week... The bottom line to me on this week is there is no clear-cut number one, and we're going to get all into that, but I'm telling my people up front, y'all saw the poll. If you follow social media, Texas is the number one team this week in my mind. Terry and I are going to get all up in it, but he'll tell you, I'll tell you. When he said, Andrew, send me your top 15, I'm looking at spots number one through five, trying to figure out who belongs where. And it is not easy. I don't care what metrics you use. I had to come up with a couple others, including who's the head coach of the football team. Those, those are the types of things I'm actually looking at now because in the later run in the season, you get to the playoff, you get or you get to the championship games, the conference games. Let's use the Ohio State-Penn State or Michigan-Penn State or Michigan-Ohio State games. You get to those. Those are going to be three three-point games. Those are going to be last possession games. Who's the better coach? Is it Jim Harbaugh or is it, um, I just lost the name, James Franklin? Or is it Ryan Day or is it James Franklin? I mean, it, it's so at this point, I'm adding who is the head football coach to my criteria simply because I need another point of separation because the guys this weekend did not give us enough to say Team X, undisputed number one team in the country. So spoiler for anybody listening, Georgia is not number one not this week anyway yeah so the last two weeks i've even before the auburn game um you know i've got an auburn bias here so that plays in probably but um even before the not auburn this week game, it didn't well my deal is i was entertaining moving georgia out of it last week but my problem is and we said this right before we started recording we don't feel like anybody has shown that they are the team and my struggle nope. was, okay, so I moved Georgia down. I had Ohio State at number two, and I'm like, was that who I think number one is? And I had Michigan at three, and, um, you know, Ohio State didn't play. Michigan, um, you know, had a big game. We'll get into that, obviously, with Nebraska there. Um, yep. And then, you know, you got Texas sitting there. I had them a little lower. Am I jumping them up after this week? I didn't. I didn't see it. Uh, Florida State was off again. Um, Penn State did roughly what they've been doing. Um, I haven't moved them up before. Why would I do it this week? I don't know. I think it's a six-team, you know, and I didn't mention any Pac-12. I know we've heard a little complaint about Pac-12 moving up. 
I'm waiting. I'm waiting a little bit um, for that to happen. I want to see USC Notre Dame. I want to see Oregon Washington, and those aren't happening quite yet. And then I'll entertain moving some of the Pac-12 teams up. But it's tough. I mean, it is. It's a big mess right now. But and also you have to think about there are some teams that have improved since Week One losses. You know, um, mm-hmm. and you know it's like, do I think Duke would? wipe out Clemson today like they did, I can't see it. I can't see it a second time. But um, that's the beauty of it. If we had all the questions answered by watching it, then we wouldn't even be doing this because what's the point? We would just agree on everything. And the disagreement's what makes it fun. So I'm going to say some stupid stuff. I'm going to say some smart stuff. You guys tell me which one's which. When you're wrong and I'm right, I'll tell you. When I'm wrong and you're right, you tell me. Let's let's just treat it that way. Anyway, and well, and again, we have, we have, we appreciate everybody listening. Just before yeah. we we get into it, because we've got a action packed agenda, and I I don't say that sarcastically. I mean, yeah. me and Terry are going to get in the damn weeds on these on these football games we saw this weekend because there's a lot of just different little tweaks that if a team was able to pull off. For instance, if Auburn had made three plays, they would have won one and beat Georgia. That's that simple. They were three plays away from beating the number one team in the country. And we'll get there. Right. So I don't want to get too much into that. But my point is, we want to thank everybody that hangs with us. We know last week was really long, but we were having a really good discussion. And it was a lot of fun for Terry and myself. And we're going to try to keep doing that. We want you to feedback with us. We got a lot of good social media interaction yesterday when we released the poll. And somehow Texas is number one. Uh, we'll get there. We'll explain it. But we want you guys to ask us questions. We want you to push back on us. We want you to say, y'all out of your damn minds. You know, we're OK with that because we're going to spend the next two hours defending all of our choices, every single one of them. And right. Terry and I do this for fun, but we're not going to you know, we're not going to do it just for each other. So please continue to participate in our show. We are on every pod on every social media platform. TNA top 10 check us out like share subscribe and have a good time and if your ears are overly sensitive I do apologize I use the f word like it's a comma so we are almost on every social media platform how did you know I was working on that today so I did create a page on Instagram today Um, I'm planning on creating a TikTok I think TikTok is going to be a good one we'll put some videos out there and and that kind of thing. Especially of my insanity. Right, yeah. (laughs) So that'll eventually be good, but we'll see where it goes. Um, But you did say some things about the poll, so I did want to bring up some changes. We talked about it a little bit last week on the show, discussed it off air a little bit, see what we wanted to do. So the process changed a little bit. I wanted to run through that before we started doing our top 10. Um, So like Andrew said, we both pick our top 15, we provide that midday Sunday. I put those together. I send that over to Andrew. And that's what it used to be. I used to just post it at that point. But this time we decided, let's um, let's make it a little more interesting. So each of us has the ability to do two things after the first draft version of the top 10 comes out. I provide the um, teams and points that are within reach of the top 10. So this time it was one through 12. I provided that because they were um, 
couple of teams were two points within the top 10. So anybody within two points of the top 10 will be included. So um, I provide that. Um, Andrew provides me two things. He wants to give an extra point to one team, and he wants to take it away from another team. And I get to do the same thing. So if you saw the poll and you had some ups and downs, um, that's what that was this week. Um, I won't go into the details of those. Um, that's out there. You know, the poll is not a secret at this point. We put it out before the show. But um, we picked the same team to lose points. So that team lost two points off the original poll. So they dropped quite a bit. And we picked our individual teams to be adding a point too. So that boosted them up a little bit. So that, um, that skewed the results a little bit. It'll help us break some ties. Um, we still had a couple of ties this week. I'll get into that in a minute, but you know, we're doing our best to see if we can provide something we're satisfied with. We don't necessarily agree on the top six. You know, we got some major differences with some particular teams, but it comes together and we, we adjust it and it is what it is and we'll we'll have fun with it. But um without further ado, let's get in to the TNA top ten. And this is where it would be good to have a little transition audio that I don't have yet, but we're working on it. I got you, Terry. Hold on, hold on. Go ahead and say it one more time. Without further ado, let's get in to the TNA top ten. What Terry meant to say, ladies and gentlemen, is let's Fucking go! Come on, Terry. <laughs> I'm the personality on this show. Oh, Good you, lord! You gotta say, oh man, you just step on my neck every week. Anyway, number ten. I, oh, hold on. One other thing, <laughs> because I didn't share them with you, but I did send you a picture. I Let's got the go, Alabama slippers on. Okay. Alabama is Alabama's back in my good graces after Miss Terry said it was okay to chew ass. That's what she told. Well, told Coach Saban, so you know they're back. Alabama's yeah, back. Yeah, because they gave up seventeen the to Mississippi to the State. Title yeah, they're, game. they're back. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right, Terry. Let's get that top ten before right, we finish that right. third drink. <laughs> so number ten. Yeah, I I tattled. That's number three, ladies. He's on it number is three. Number three. Yeah, but I measured. I'm this on time. pot of coffee. Number three. So I probably Let's had go. less this time in three than I did in two last week. But anyway, number <laughs> ten. You're going to interrupt me again? Can I keep going? You can go. Let's okay, go. Okay, okay. Number 10. USC falls from number 9 to number 10 this week um, after USC wins 48-41 at Colorado. USC improves to 5-0. and Colorado falls to 3-2. and Did you watch any of this game? Watched a lot of this game. Uh, you want to start? You want me to? Go ahead. You got the floor. So – so it's the mile high city and everybody was on drugs because I don't know about anybody else, but I didn't think Colorado after the first half was going to get back in that game. And here they come. They played defense. They made the adjustments and they made it an interesting game. USC showed once again, it's weakness. It's Achilles Hill. The place you're going to beat them is on defense. They do not play defense at Southern California. And that was very apparent when they're up, what were they up? Twenty eight at one point, or yeah, thirty five even forty eight twenty or something. I don't know. Something it was big. That. The point was it was big, and I I am not taking anything away from Colorado. They did it without Travis Hunter. They did it without Shiloh Sanders um, on defense. 
they kept coming and coming and coming. And once again, here I am, Terry, a Nebraska guy, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, singing the praises of Coach Prime Deion Sanders. He has them playing to the very end against the mighty USC. When they, when I was, I texted you and I said, "Well, this game's bullshit because USC was up huge, huge." And here yeah. comes Colorado and that explosive offense. Shadare Sanders once again showing why he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. You don't have to like it, but like Ric Flair said, learn to love it because that is what we're going to see week in and week out. The biggest deficit Colorado had was they couldn't protect Shadir, they couldn't protect Shadir and they they turned the ball over early. But when yeah. they got comfortable and adjusted after that second half, it was a completely different Colorado football team. So they are all they are on the right path. You talked about teams that are better than they were week one. Colorado is certainly one of those, and they did it without two big playmakers this week. Very impressed with Colorado. Completely unimpressed with USC. Caleb Williams, I get it. You're the second best quarterback in the in the Pac-12, probably. Uh, Pinnock, I think, is probably better there in Washington right now, having a better game. But he, but USC is getting ready to find the teeth of their schedule. You talked about the Notre right. Dame game. We know they've got several others coming down the pipe. And there's two other teams playing far better football in the Pac-12 right now. So, again, the message to USC for me is the same as it was last week. Get your shit together because you're not winning the Pac-12 title playing like this. To be completely honest, and you said what they have coming up, um, there's three teams that might could play with them here. There's Arizona, who people are kind of looking past. That is a pretty good football team. Um, then they've got at Notre Dame, and then they host Utah. And if Utah's quarterback is back by then, who knows what that game ends up being. So that could be three opportunities for losses there. Um, we're going to learn a lot about USC. I, I do think um, I give Colorado a little bit more of an excuse this week. They, they only lost by seven. They had to storm back. You know, you said they lost two playmakers, but in reality, they lost three because Travis Hunter plays on both sides of the ball. So he yeah. was gone for the Oregon game, but then they also had Shallow Sanders gone, and that's two big time players in their secondary that are out. And you're playing the defending, um, the reigning Heisman winner quarterback with your two best <laughs> corner, uh, two best defensive backs out. That's tough. And with one of the best architects of an air raid offense in Lincoln Riley. Yep. Whether you like Lincoln Riley or you don't, the man knows how to call offensive football. He knows how to exploit weaknesses. He knows what plays to call. He sees those coverages in defense. You don't think they picked on the replacements for Sanders and, and, and uh, Hunter? They absolutely did because he knows that those aren't the guys that normally are in the football game. It's really good coaching, really good scouting report. But at the end of the day, USC was once again to me very unimpressive. And it isn't because they can't score. We know they right. can score. But we're we're going to get to these two teams down the road uh, here tonight, Washington and Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, I think Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. I, I still pick Utah to win the Pac-12 if their quarterback comes back. But we're not going to talk about the Utah game. The Beavers right. dominated that game. Utah scored seven points. Terry, you and I can both stipulate this as a fact right now for the rest of the season going forward. If you can only score seven points in a football game in the Pac-12, you're yeah. not winning that football game. 
There is no way you're winning that football game. So if they can't get their quarterback back, Utah's not going to win the Pac-12. But right now, the most dangerous team in the Pac-12 to me is Oregon Mm -hmm. because they're playing complete football. And I don't want to get too far down the road, but (laughs) USC needs to find some defense and they need to find it quickly because they're going to have some challenges coming up, especially those teams that can keep up with them offensively where it becomes a basketball game. That's true. And why don't we stay in the Pac-12? I've already gone through what USC has ahead of them with their next three games, potential, you know, some potential good games there. Number nine, falling from number eight, Washington. After a 31-24 win against Arizona, this is what I was talking about when I said Arizona, um, that is coming up for USC is a decent team. They have lost a couple of games, but they've either played close or, um, you know, they've really done pretty well. They've kind of been a quiet team out there because there's a lot of teams around that can play some football in the Pac-12. And Arizona's just kind of sitting there waiting to knock somebody off. Um, They didn't do it this week, though. Washington, like you said, Penix is superb. I mean, he – I agree. He is – I think he's the best quarterback in the country. Um, And – He's got a lot of competition for that in his own conference, but he's spectacular. The problem is, similar to USC, the defense is going to be a a tough one. I think statistically their defense has been decent, but I think in reality, if you watch the games, their defense is probably not as good as their statistics have shown. But um, Arizona um, gave them a decent game, uh, but fell a, a touchdown short. Uh, Washington improves to five and zero. Arizona falls to three and two. Um, pretty good football game, but Washington has a um, has a powerhouse at quarterback out there. Yes, sir. He's very good. One of the reasons I voted Washington down this week was their their failed defensive performance. They let four hundred fifty yards from Arizona. I'm not going to say that Arizona is a bottom of the barrel team, but like you've said. The Pac-12 this year is just stacked. There's a lot of really good football players out there, and I don't want to. I don't want to discredit the Pac-12 because they're often overlooked, particularly for the Big Ten and the SEC. This year, that will not be the case. I really, really think the test for him comes next week against Oregon. Um, that's going to be a huge game for this show, but more importantly, because you know we got 29 listeners, as I joke. Um, this is a huge game for NCAA. You're going to have a top 10 matchup between Oregon and Washington, and it's going to shake up the Pac-12. Then Notre Dame and, and USC playing in the same weekend. So uh, big, big implications next weekend. Um, and again, not to get too far ahead, but I think I think Penix is the best quarterback in the Pac-12. I think arguably he's the best quarterback in the entire league. Um, and I don't know that it's close. I mean, I watch a lot of SEC football being here in North Carolina, and there's not a quarterback that's going to match his play, not in the SEC right now. No, not at all. Not at all. And they've produced a few Heisman Trophy winners in the SEC. So. <laughs> a couple. Yeah, so Washington, a couple. so Washington is off this week, and this is an interesting thing. They're off this week gearing up to host Oregon in two weeks. And then they host Arizona State. So this sets up pretty nicely for them where they've got an off week um, before they have the big matchup against Oregon. 
And then after that, they've got Arizona State, and Arizona State hasn't shown to be a whole lot this year. So it kind of surrounds that game pretty well for them, for them to be able to gear up for it and then not have a fallback um, surprise the next week. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Yep. So number eight, we want to move along, Notre Dame. Notre Dame climbs from number 10 to number eight. That's why the other two schools that we talked about dropped. They were kind of the um, bottom three of the top 10 last week. But Notre Dame with a big win against Duke. Um, That sounds funny to say that, but it's the truth. Duke is a pretty solid football team. 21-14 win. Duke was undefeated. They no longer are. Notre Dame defeats them. And uh, improves to five and one. Duke falls to four and one. And Duke lost their quarterback, so that's going to be a big shot for them. We'll see how they respond to that. Duke lost the game at home; it was right there in Durham. Uh, big, big deal for us here in North Carolina. I live about seventy-five miles from Durham. Um, having game day in Durham, huge deal because you know North Carolina is a basketball state. I mean, it's UNC Duke. It's the it's the Tobacco Road rivalry. But to have Duke there was huge, or to have game day there for the Duke game was huge. Uh, Duke right. was more impressive to me in this game than Notre Dame. And Notre Dame played lockdown defense. But they left, I counted, nine points on the board. You may, you may not, but I mean, the missed field goals were just brutal for Notre Dame. Left a lot of points on the board. Duke proved that win against Clemson was not a fluke. Right. That was not a fluke. I still think Clemson had the better team. Still think Clemson had the better athletes on the team. Still think Clemson should have won that game. But that game was not a fluke. Duke earned that win and they earned that very tough loss against Notre Dame. It wasn't it wasn't one sided in any way. And at one point it looked like Duke had the game. And then Notre Dame of course scores that final touchdown with the last few minutes remaining. So Good for Duke. Hopefully they can rebound with their quarterback being out for the season. Um, Big-time injury for them. And, of course, Notre Dame keeps rolling on, and they've got Stanford coming up. So another big deal. Uh, But their defense, um, they have them humming and strumming there in South Bend. If they can match it with some offense, Notre Dame is definitely that one-loss playoff team everybody better pay attention to. That's true. So, you know, you talked about some early season losses, and I think it's a pattern that shows up, especially for teams that have a lot of four- and five-star guys. They're national programs. They recruit all over the place. You know, like a Notre Dame, like an Alabama, like a Clemson. And the reason I'm mentioning these teams, um, not Notre Dame as much, but Clemson and Alabama – even Georgia, when you want to look at this past week, um, you can have a lot of talent, but sometimes, you know, there's a reason these teams schedule cupcakes at the start of the year. They want any nervousness that these guys have to be gone before they play somebody that really matters. And if you got a guy that has not been a starter in college football and you put him on the big stage, that is tough. You cannot do enough at practice to see what he's going to do. So I think there's been some teams that have been proved since week one, you know, some tough week one losses 
to some good teams that might be better now. Clemson's probably one of those. Alabama's um, gotten better. We saw what happened with Georgia this week. That was the first road SEC game for a new Georgia quarterback. And, you know, second half, he started showing some signs of life. But um, but it was um, – obviously, that was a tough one there to get going. Um, there's a lot of good teams out there, even teams that are rebuilding. They got some talent. They might not have every piece, but – They've got enough pieces that they can be coached into it. But, um, yeah, Notre Dame um, looked good against Duke, and they're undefeated. Uh, they've been another undefeated team. They've got – you said Stanford. I wanted to double-check there. Um, Stanford's at the end of the year. But, I meant um, USC. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right, it's USC. <laughs> so here's their, here's their next few. So their next game is actually at Louisville this week. And then they host USC next week before an off week. They are playing a string of undefeated teams, a ridiculous string of undefeated teams here. You know, Ohio State, followed by Duke, followed by Louisville, followed by USC. I mean, there's one thing. You can criticize Notre Dame for a lot of things, but they play a schedule. I mean, they have to. Um They've always had to because, you know, they don't have the benefit of a conference boosting them up. So they they go out there and they find those games. But, um, you know, they look good. Like you said, Duke looked good too. Very good game. Um, 21-14. Notre Dame's the victor there. And uh, they move along and see what we can do next time. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to that USC-Notre Dame game. I don't think Louisville, even though they're undefeated, I just don't think they got it in them to really give Notre Dame a test. But um, who knows? That might be the game we're really leading with next week. Yeah, the game with you at uh, North Carolina State, the, the, the Wolfies, was very close with Louisville. Um, and it was 13-10. It ended 13-10. I think Notre right. Dame is a far superior team. Absolutely. Um, and I think this was the game of the week. The only other one that came close – no offense to your Auburn Tigers, it sure as shit won't the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, I think was the old Miss LSU game. That game yeah. was fantastic. And I know That's we'll right. talk about it here in a little bit, but um I think for my money, the Duke Notre Dame game, if you like those battle of wheels, the inside, the trenches, the good defensive mm -hmm. plays, and then the offense finally getting one, that is classic football. And that's what you got with Duke and Notre Dame this week. It was a fantastic football game. All right, let's move along to number seven. Um, number seven, we have Oregon kind of separating themselves from the other two Pac-12 teams as, um, <laughs> as Notre Dame finds themselves at number eight to separate from the other two. Oregon stays at number seven while the other two teams drop. Um, Oregon with same score, different team, 42-6 to six at Stanford this week. Oregon improves to five and zero. Oh. Stanford falls to one and four. Not a very good Stanford football team. Oregon started slower than they had been, but um, we've seen that pattern from several teams this year. Um, eventually, they showed up and did what they needed to do, uh, and they win forty-two to six. Yeah, Dan Lanning has the Ducks quacking. I mean, they are playing football. They are flying on the field, both sides of the ball. 
let's not forget special teams because it does matter. Um, I honestly think that Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. They are a complete football team. They're led by Heisman candidate Bo Nix. Uh, he's not making mistakes. He's got time in the pocket. He's got support in the running game, wide receivers that can fly, and he's not making bad decisions. And you know Bo Nix better than I do, Gary, because he's the former Auburn quarterback. Right. But Bo Nix making excellent decisions. That quarterback duel we're going to see next week against Penix and Nix, it's going to be fantastic. That one's going to come down to head coaching, coaching decisions, last plays, that sort of thing. Dan Lanning knows how to get his guys motivated. We've talked about Dion, but let's face it, that speech in the Oregon locker room did exactly what he wanted it to do to when they played Colorado. Now, people like Nick Saban have said there's things you say to the team and things that get recorded, and maybe that wasn't what needed to be recorded, but him and Dion are doing Aflac commercials together. So they probably have some sort of relationship anyway, <laughs> yeah. but, but here, here's the thing, whatever it takes to motivate them, motivate them because they got the giant game coming up with Washington. And that one really is going to start to inform what the PAC 12 is going to really look like. But I give the advantage to the ducks and not because Penix is not a fantastic quarterback, but I'm giving the advantage to the ducks next week. Because Oregon plays defense. And they don't just play defense in the Pac-12. They really play defense. So they're getting after the quarterback. They're, they're, they're plugging rushing lanes. They're, they're taking down receivers. Um, I say advantage Oregon. But like you said, they got this week off. And then it's the showdown with Washington. And we're going to find out which one of those teams is is good and then it's not easy that for the rest of the way out with Oregon either. So they've got big games coming up all the way through. Yeah, and honestly, if I had to break it down right now, I know that game's not coming up this week, it's 2 weeks away, but I agree. I think Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. I think Bo Nix is the third best quarterback in the Pac-12. But I believe his team has a much better offensive line a much better defensive line, a much de better defense overall. And as I said last week, they are far superior when it talks when we talk about a balanced team compared to the other teams in the Pac-12 cuz you know, we saw how bad the USC defense is this week. I think Washington's defense may be a little better than USC's, but not a whole lot. They are one-trick ponies and I don't think Oregon is and I think that's what gets them through. Now, obviously, you'll mention Utah. I think um, Utah is definitely going to be a when-does-he-come-back situation. And um, yep. until we know that, we're not going to know. So Oregon well, is the off injury, this week. The injury was huge. Yes. Huge. That in, the injury, because I said it at front, and even, even what's his name, the Utah coach who looked like he was hung over this weekend said it. You can't <laughs> score seven points and win a Pac-12 football game. Not at all. And you're not going to do You're not going to do it this year. Sometimes not 70. <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to do it this year. Anyway, moving on, Terry. Let's move on. Okay, so Oregon is off just like Washington is. So they're both off this week. They should heal up a little bit and be geared up and ready to go for next week, and that's going to be an awesome game. Uh, then Oregon, um, you know, they obviously got the matchup against Washington, and then they host Washington State, which uh, Washington State's kind of like the other team to some degree in the Pac-12 that is not being talked about a lot. 
They uh, they are undefeated. They beat Oregon State. You know, we talk about Oregon State a little bit, but Washington State sitting there. They're 13 in the AP poll, from what I remember, and they're just not getting a lot of love. But you know, they're a pretty good football team, so that'll be a good game to watch in a couple of weeks. But we're not quite ready for that. We'll obviously talk about that one in a couple of weeks, and then after it's over. But um, you know, an off week for Oregon. Well-deserved, undefeated, um, looking pretty good. But now – Very good. They're, we go are ahead. getting – yeah, we are getting into our ties. There is no number six team because we have a two-way tie for number five. Um, we're trying to get rid of the ties, but when you have two people voting, it's kind of hard to get rid of the ties. <laughs> uh, the bottom line here, Michigan is – one of the two teams tied for number five. They fell from number three last week. They were just above a tie for number four. They fell to, to a tie for number five. The bottom line, Michigan wins 45-7 over Nebraska. They improved to 5-0. and Nebraska falls to 2-3. and All right, Nebraska fan, I need you to get geared up and tell me what happened here. What's – um. What's going on with Nebraska? I'll have my turn in a minute with, with Auburn. Tell me where Nebraska is and tell me tell me how good this Michigan win is in reality. The Michigan win is high quality, um, not because Nebraska is good. Michigan showed just how good they were. The rushing attack is the real deal. Nebraska's defense folded like a cheap chair. And the unfortunate thing about it was they did exactly what I said they do last week. Michigan takes the ball, drives it down, gets the first score. First pass of the game from our quarterback, Mr. Heinrich, and it's an interception, and it's quickly 14-0. to zero. And at that point, the wheels just came off the bus, and yeah. Michigan just kept coming and coming and coming, and Nebraska didn't make another mistake necessarily, but they don't have the athletes and the talent to play a team like Michigan you talk about Oregon being well-established and very deep in their talent pool. Michigan is extremely deep in their talent pool. And we got two other teams we're going to talk about in the Big Ten that are the exact same way. they got deep subs. They've got well-experienced players. It's not going to be easy for Nebraska to rebuild because for 10 years they haven't won football games. And right. to, in order for you to recruit players, you have to win football games. When Dr. Tom Osborne was on the sidelines, you never worried about recruiting. You know why? Because Nebraska was playing for national championships year in and year out. You didn't have to worry about it. Unless, of course, your trip was to Florida, and that meant Miami was probably going to get the best of you. But at the end of the day, they were outclassed, outmaneuvered, pushed all over, and certainly not prepared for that Michigan game. So the Michigan team is the real deal, but here's my problem with Michigan. They have no quality wins. They're an extremely good football team. But I told you, looking at the top five or six, who are we going to pick to be the guys on the number one? Who's the big dog in the yard? Right. Michigan makes a case that they're the big dog in the yard. The problem is they've been beating up on all the ankle biters, and there's not a real yes. game on their schedule till they run into Penn State, I think it is. Or is it Ohio State? Either way. If well, they've you said got, it's November. I mean, if you want to count Minnesota – I mean, yeah. Minnesota is the closest thing they have until their 10th game, which is at Penn State. There you go. So until they're at College Station in Happy Valley playing those crazy Nittany Lions, 
that are the number one team in the Big Ten, regardless of what Terry says. Um, <laughs> the the deal is Michigan's going to roll. And the yeah. problem with that is for any team that faces them is they're going to get that confidence. They're going to keep getting the momentum. They're not going to have a lot of disruptors. And like I said, it was a it was a practice for them this past week. In no way, shape, or form did I get on this program and say that that Nebraska was going to even come close to playing with Michigan. Right. But I, I didn't think, think you their said, defense. You said three touchdowns or something, right? Minimum, minimum of three touchdowns is exactly what I said. But the deal is, they lost forty-five to seven. Mm-hmm. Nebraska almost got shut out for the first time since nineteen ninety-six, when Arizona State ended a twenty-six game winning streak and beat them nineteen to zero. Same Arizona State team would go on to play Bob Stoops and uh, and uh, the head ball coach in Florida for the national title, but. Before we digress and get into history, the <laughs> we got the off-season football. episodes to talk about. We'll get into history with some off-season. There's a little foreshadowing for those who wondered if we're going to stay around in the off-season. We got some ideas. You know, you give us some yeah, ideas. Yeah. If you want to hear about some certain teams or conferences or, or seasons or something, let us know. Let us know what you want to hear. Go ahead. That's right. But but Nebraska scored there at the end. It was garbage time. I'm not impressed with my Nebraska Cornhuskers. Truly, I think they should have they should have been a nine win team if they were ready. They're going to probably be a six win team at this point because the Big Ten West is not a good conference, not at all. Purdue Purdue uh, handled Illinois fairly well, but they got Purdue and Illinois coming up. Those are winnable games. Iowa's quarterbacks out. That is now a winnable game because. Iowa has no offense whatsoever, even with them. Um, so Nebraska's got a lot of good things on the horizon. Matt Rule has pushed all in for this Illinois game, saying this is going to be where because nobody they were not disillusioned in Lincoln either. They didn't think they were going to beat Michigan, and if all you right. think they do, I'll kiss your ass in the middle of Highway <laughs> 70 and give you three days to draw a crowd. No, nobody inside Memorial Stadium thought that Michigan was going to lose that football game. Any more than the team that, that people thought Auburn was going to to beat Georgia, but it came damn close to happening. Nebraska was never in the football game, so I wrote that one off early in the season. I wrote that one off before the season ever started. That that was a loss. I put them as a loss automatically, and um, I forget the other team I put as a loss automatically. I think Illinois, but uh, and Wisconsin because I figured those three were going to be beat. And then I thought maybe they could beat Colorado, but uh, Dion's team was too tough for him this year. Bottom yeah. line, Huskers weren't ready, got punched in the mouth. It was a bloodbath. Um, and I don't really care. This is the thing. Right. Like people want to pick pick at me or tease me or whatever for being a Nebraska fan. I've been a Nebraska fan for as long as I've been a professional wrestling fan and for as long as I've been a dog owner. So that's 33 <laughs> years at that's this your point. That's three I've things, been, huh? Okay. Yeah, I'm 37 <laughs> years old. So I've watched Nebraska football for as long as I can remember. The voice of the Cornhuskers, Adrian Fiala, because we didn't have cable at my house. I turned on the AM radio and would imagine the football game when Nebraska was 60-3 and three in five years. I would I would imagine them. We didn't have television at my house. Um, and we couldn't afford it. I mean, poor people, you know, and that's ultimately what it was. So I learned to listen to it and watch it that way. But, you know, I get people that rib me or want to have a good time picking at me because I'm a Nebraska fan. I'd like to remind all those people 
that there's nobody in history that's done what Nebraska has done between the 40 consecutive winning seasons, all of the AP rankings, the, the, the winning sellouts. record, the, the sellouts since 1962. There's a lot of good things about the Nebraska football program, and I've never been one of those fans that said they're the best team in the country unless they were, and they haven't been since the 1990s. So um, anyway, check it when you talk to people. You want to talk X's and O's in football with me? That's fine. You want to make fun of my team for losing, the conversation's going to be real short because there are reasons they lost. This re- this week, they got outplayed, outmuscled, outclassed, and were never, ever, ever in the football game. Never, ever were in that football game. And we can make all the excuses in the world, including eight starters were out. But guess what? You got 85 guys on the roster. Next man up. Let's go. Yeah. So uh, that brings up a point, and I think we have a little bit of a comparison here. And, um, you know, between Colorado and Nebraska, you know, a big thing after that Colorado-Nebraska game was, you know, Dion showed the door to like 50 people. And I think Matt Rule's point was this is year one. Uh, we slowly build the program that we want to have. I get all that. A couple of things. Um, Dion is showing that you can go build a program quickly. However, he's also showing that you can get certain positions pretty quickly, um, but those offensive and defensive linemen, they don't come as quickly. You, um, There aren't as many of those out there and you're not going to the transfer portal and building an entire offensive line in one season. It is not going to happen, and that's what's going on with Colorado. However, I would say that Rule, if um, you know, he probably has a possibility to go out. Uh, there's some coaches that seem to be reluctant to do that. Maybe he is. I don't know. Hopefully, um, in the off season some pieces are put in place or some guys that are in-house really step up, you know. We all want Nebraska to be back because football's better with Nebraska being good. Um, but that those are two kind of polar opposites on the opinions there, and I think there's positives and negatives to both of those. And it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out with all the new rules. Um and just to see where these teams go. Is Colorado ever going to get there where they're going to be complete? I don't know. Maybe. Everybody assumes they will, but, you know, let's get some offensive linemen over there. Let's get some defensive linemen over there. Until you have that, you're not doing it. You're not competing with these teams. But anyway. Well, and you've made, the, you've made the statement. You've made the statement, and you're absolutely correct. Deion Sanders' skill players can play with anybody in the country. Yeah. That is very apparent. Very apparent. But where they got beat and they keep getting beat, uh, Shador Sanders has been sacked, you know, oh, yeah. five, six, seven times in every game. Where they keep getting beat is on that offensive line. Then they keep getting beat on the defensive line. And so to your point, you can go to the transfer portal and you can find linemen or you can grow them at home. And, you know, one of the philosophies Nebraska had for years was what they called the pipeline. And the pipeline was just that exactly that offensive and defensive linemen that started as freshmen in the program, 
that went to the weight room yep. that lifted and lifted. And by the, but because Nebraska was such a good football team, they got reps as freshmen and sophomores and got real playing time in live games. And when they were juniors and seniors, they were the starters. Right. And that, that pipeline produced so many all Americans, professional football players, hall of famers, and Nebraska hasn't had that pipeline since Bill Callahan came in and destroyed the entire setup of what Tom Osborne yep. and Frank Solich had built. Um, and they've never That's because they they've weren't satisfied with the nine wins a season they were getting. That's right. Yep. And Bo Pelini got nine wins a season. Yeah. Callahan's out. Bo Pelini gets nine wins a season. Bo Pelini couldn't get along with people. They fired him. So, right. you know, and Pelini couldn't win the big one. They played in multiple Big 12 championships, played in the Big 10 championship, could yeah. not win the big one. Right. Um, but but with the uh, pipeline thing, you don't just get offensive linemen, like you said, out of the thing. You have to have a Georgia football team, a Clemson football team, an Alabama football team, a Texas football team, well, a Michigan football team, Ohio State. Yeah. These are well-established football teams that grow and develop their players. And... I dare say that's part of Saban's offense to the to the college portal is you can build a superstar team to take down Alabama, but you're going to do it one time. Alabama is going to be Alabama year in and year out. Georgia is going to be Georgia year in and year out. Same with Michigan, Ohio State. Just start naming all of these blue chip teams. They're going to be who they're going to be. And transfer portal be damned. Nick Saban's going to get his 85 five-star recruits because the number right. that matters at those schools isn't how many five-star recruits Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh get. It's how many did they say no to. That's the number that matters the most. Yeah, you can – and basically you said it without saying it. You can build a team in the transfer portal. You cannot build a program in the transfer portal. And programs are the ones that have to be around to really build that intensity on the line of scrimmage. I just don't see, and somebody may prove me wrong, obviously. I don't call myself an expert, but I just don't see anybody getting enough um, offensive and defensive linemen out of the portal to build a program. So let's move along. So number five, the second number five because of the tie is – the Georgia Bulldogs fall from a unanimous number one after a win at Auburn. That makes me feel great as an Auburn fan, by the way. They beat us, and they fell four spots. So Georgia falls from a unanimous number one to a number five tie. Georgia wins 27-20 with some fourth-quarter heroics from a another tight end that Auburn cannot stop out of Athens, Georgia. Um, 27-20 win for Georgia. Georgia improves to 5-0. and Auburn falls to 3-2. and And let me take the lead here. So, obviously, Auburn has not earned the spot of being a um, reasonable fall game for Georgia, even though they won. Um you know, I, I think the criticism there and saying Georgia's just not there is is proper. Um, I think Georgia is a program, but I've spoken to them having a new quarterback 
this was the first road start for their new quarterback, and he really showed it. Um, Auburn has a good defense. There's no doubt about that. They've got – I have not looked at the stat, but I believe the leading interceptor, if that's a word, of the um, in the country. Um, and I think Jalen Simpson uh, got a – got a first quarter interception and that, that turned it around and that really helped Auburn take a lead there. Um, Georgia showed up in the second half with, I mean, I don't know how many times as an Auburn fan, I've seen some tied in from Georgia just own us. And I think um, Auburn's got a good defense, but they are susceptible to a tight end or a running quarterback because they've got a very good secondary, but they do not have, the defensive line to allow them to get a pass rush without sending the linebackers. So that opens up those lanes for tight ends, for shorter slant passes and that kind of thing. And uh, Georgia finally made the adjustment. The quarterback got comfortable. The tight end just absolutely dominated the second half of this ball game. Um, you know, I heard where somebody had tweeted something about, um, how they covered the tight end and the defensive coordinator actually responded on Twitter. We were double teaming it. <laughs> it's like, like we were doing that. We just weren't good enough. We didn't execute. So, um, you know, obviously uh, as an Auburn fan, like I said, George is very good. Two time defending national champions. They've won a lot of games in a row. Um, I was impressed this week with um, the improvement uh, from the coaching staff at Auburn. It's good to see that. Auburn has some very realistic limitations. They do not have a vertical passing game. They are not going to have a vertical passing game. What they did, though, is they passed um, They passed outside. Uh, they tried to loosen up the linebackers a little bit to open up the run lanes. If you look at the stats from the Texas A&M game, Auburn had a couple of running backs that ran um, pretty well, but only touched the ball between them 16 times. And there's no excuse for that. If you got two guys that are run the ball well, give them the ball. And they did that this week. So they ran the ball well. They got over 200 yards against Georgia. That's not something that happens very often. They don't have a vertical passing game at all. Maybe they'll hit a big pass once in a while, but it is about the running game at Auburn. And it's going to continue to be about the running game and the defense. Um, so there was improvement. It, it wasn't a fluke that they played with Georgia. It's a tough place to play. They improved from last week, but Georgia's got to do better. Georgia's got to come out in the first quarter. We've been saying that all year. Georgia's good, but they've got to be good before the third quarter starts. You know, Auburn is not that team that's going to knock you off, even though they almost did. When you play Tennessee or even this week with Kentucky, you better show up because those teams are going to be ready to play. And uh, Georgia better um, be geared up and ready to go when they step foot on the field. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, so uh, statistically, Auburn made two of 12 third downs. Huge, oh, yeah. huge area that needs improvement. Cannot you pass. can't give up the ball. Cannot. Well, you can't give the ball up to Georgia and a team that good. You know, two out of 12, any defensive coordinator will take that. Any defensive right. coordinator. 
Breeze went for it three times on fourth down. You're one out of three. You know what? That's not as bad, but two out of 12. Here's the problem on the other side, though, Terry. Georgia's eight out of 13 on third down. Mm-hmm. So they they completely flipped the script on you guys. Third down was a big down oh. in this game. Very clean football game for the rivalry. This didn't get chippy. It didn't get stupid. I got a total of three penalties for 30 yards on Georgia. He spoke One about penalty. love all week. He said he didn't like hating football. He said, we love those guys. We don't want it. We don't want one hate. penalty, one five yard penalty on your Auburn Tigers this week. Take a bow, sir, because that I'll doesn't happen in a 60 in a 60 minute football game against Georgia. Right. And it's one penalty. Shit. Everybody will take that. So, well, realistically, the, the play, the play that caused your targeting, you know, your issues with targeting, the play that I believe was a big factor in that was Junior Rose Green taking the head off of one of georgia's receivers i don't know what year it was maybe 2002 or something like that just absolutely went in like a missile like he didn't even have arms head first drilled him in the jaw back then we didn't have those rules you went over the middle you got demolished and junior rose green demolished him and the next year the targeting penalty showed up so yeah it gets chippy sometimes but it wasn't this weekend. And good for That's Hugh right. Freeze, to your point. He doesn't have his players. He doesn't have the guys in the – he didn't have the guys in the lineup to get the job done. That's all that matters. Georgia right. has a superior defense to most teams in the country. And when I say most teams, I mean almost everybody. They have a better defense then. But you guys managed to put 200 yards of rushing on them, and that doesn't happen against Georgia. Mm-hmm. Now, it looks like you got 88 yards of passing. That – is pretty common to play Georgia. But that 200 yards rushing and being able to control the line of scrimmage, that doesn't happen against Georgia. And I don't care if you're Alabama or Ole Miss or LSU, you don't put 200 yards on the Georgia offense. So obviously Auburn threw everything at them they had. Really well-coached football game on both sides. To your point, your, your Georgia quarterback finally showed up about halfway through the third quarter, made the plays, finally got comfortable. Hopefully this is a confidence booster for him. Because this is what you and I were talking about when we opened the show. Georgia's not the clear-cut number one. Now, I said I'll keep voting for Georgia at number one until they lose. I'm not going to do that, and here's why. took my team to to go against that. They're they're not the clear-cut number one team. But we saw them slow start slow against South Carolina, start slow against UAB, start slow against Auburn. And let's face it, start slow against Kentucky after what Mark Stoops and company did to Florida this weekend. And that ain't going to be a good thing for anybody. That's right. So on the horizon for Georgia, I think, you know, Auburn's good at teams that have been struggling coming in and making them make adjustments that stay with them the rest of the year. So Auburn might be the thing that really boosts Georgia to showing up and doing some stuff. Georgia hosts Kentucky this week. And we talked about the 200 yards that Georgia gave up to Auburn well Ray Davis got 280 yards this week for Kentucky so um this guy's good um Georgia's gonna and have that's to a stop running back guy. ladies and gentlemen oh that's yeah. a running back Definitely. so and one guy 280 banging a banging game by Kentucky they had a yes. great game plan great game plan against Florida 
and running the ball. And they're, we're talking about what Auburn almost did to win the game. They played lockdown defense and they ran the ball. You don't yes. think that Mark Stoops is going to watch that Auburn game and realize that, hey, I actually have a better chance to win this game because I've got a better offense. No offense, Terry. And no, they do. We, we play defense at Kentucky, and we've got a complete defense at Kentucky. To your point, they can manufacture a pass rush. Florida's co- quarterback did not look comfortable at right. all in that game because every time he stepped back to throw, somebody was in his grill. And, you know, quarterbacks do not like to get knocked down and beat down. And Kentucky has some big linemen that were making it very difficult on him to find a passing lane. Very difficult. Yeah. um, Mark Stoops has gone up there, and he's been there a while now. And they gave him the time, and he's really put some toughness into that team. You know, you don't think historically about Kentucky being that type of football team, but they are. They definitely are. If Auburn had Ray Davis this week, I think we would be talking about Georgia with a loss. Um, and, I, you know, Auburn's got some pieces that move the ball, but they don't have a guy like that. Um, but Kentucky's a good football team. I'm excited to see how good they are this week against Georgia. So that's a big game. Then Georgia, you know, after that, Georgia plays at Vandy. Maybe – by that point, Vanderbilt will have their scoreboard put in place. I don't know. Is it still going to be swaying in the wind? I, did, I didn't watch them this week, so I don't know if the scoreboard is there. Um, is established yet in the rightful spot, but um, we'll see. Uh, Auburn goes up there later in the year. Maybe it'll be there by then. But anyway, I'm rambling a little bit. Um, Georgia at Vandy after the Kentucky game, and then they have a, a well-deserved off week. Um, as they gear up for the rest of the season. So number three, a tie for number three, just like we had a tie for number five. The first of the teams is Penn State. So they got a little boost from Andrew, move up to a tie for number three. They were at number four last week. The bottom line this week, Penn State had pretty much a Penn State game. They went out, they played some defense early, their offense started taking over, they went 41-13 at Northwestern, Penn State improves to 5-0, and um, they're looking forward to some big games ahead in the season to prove people like me wrong, um, Northwestern falls to 2-3. and three. So tell me, why am I wrong about Penn State? Because Penn State's the real deal, Terry, they play defense, they make teams pay for the mistakes they make. They've committed one turnover this season. James Franklin, not Tony Franklin, by the way, sir. His name is James Franklin. Last week you called him Tony because that's the old Auburn coach. <laughs> Did I call uh, him Tony J- Franklin? <laughs> you called him Tony Franklin. Listen, though, James Franklin insult. had this team humming and strumming in that second half. 31 points, sweetheart. They're ready to go. And the thing is, Northwestern is a shit football team. Pat. Pat, what's his face? Got himself fired after twenty five years. Yeah, twenty five years or whatever the hell it was he spent there. Uh, but this is the stat line that sticks out to me. I'm pulling it back up for you. Um, Penn State, hundred and seventy five total yards for Northwestern, hundred and thirty passing. So they play forty five yards rushing. The Big Ten is known for rushing. Yeah. Guess what you're not going to do against Penn State's defense? 
You are not going to run the ball. That is correct. They also held Northwestern 5 of 16 for third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down, only forced one turnover. Time of possession was only plus five minutes Penn State. So in that five-minute difference, you see Penn State put 41 points up to Northwestern's 13, seven of which, by the way, came after the first Penn State turnover of the year. They played five games, one turnover all year long. So what that tells me is this is a very disciplined football team. They're protecting the ball. They're controlling the clock. They're playing great defense. And quite frankly, there's not a team in the Big Ten that's more complete than they are. Because what Ohio State team are we going to see? Michigan bullied Nebraska and was very physical. But Michigan hasn't played Illinois. Michigan hasn't played Northwestern, which can be a physical team. And Michigan didn't play uh, whoever was between, was it, uh, it was Illinois and was it Minnesota that Penn State just rolled? I think it was. But, um, Iowa. Or Iowa, excuse me. That's who it was. It was Iowa. That's even worse. Um, even though Iowa's quarterback's out for the rest of the season because he got smoked this past weekend. But bottom line to me, Penn State is deserving of the three spot, the undisputed three spot. And that's only because of their strength of schedule. They don't have a signature win yet. They won't have one until they play Michigan or Ohio State. So when Michigan gives up double-digit points, we'll start talking about it. And I know, I mean, I think this Michigan defense isn't giving enough credit there. Um, I know there. we've got East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska. I get it. That's not, that's not a who's who of opponents there. But they have not come anywhere close to playing at the level of their opponent. Um, it's going to be exciting for the rest of the year. There's going to be enough games where I'll be proven wrong or right, and I'm excited about that. We'll have some fun with that when it happens. Um, but yeah, Penn State's a very good football team. I've never, I've never once um, tried to take that away. Obviously, um, I've been more. Uh, boosting, um, you know, Ohio State and um, Michigan kind of along with it. <laughs> and I know you don't love that. We'll get into that in a minute. But um, there was no, I think, something's missing from Penn State involved here. Um, it was more about the other teams. Penn State's, uh, the word I would use is complete. That is a complete football team. So the, it's the, the thing Oregon is, do of they... the Big Ten. Will they crumble in the big moment? That's the question. Because yeah. when you play at the horseshoe in front of 108,000 fans this year, will you crumble or will you be Penn State? Yeah. And this year, I finally think they'll be Penn State because they look to me like they're performing just better than everybody else. Michigan hasn't been tested. And I don't even know if I believe myself when we have Michigan at the five spot. They might be a better football team than that. But the field is so crowded and the differences are so close. How do you pick, you know? Do I penalize Florida State because they didn't play this week? But they got wins over both Clemson and LSU. Exactly. Even if it's disputed by some of our fans that Clemson is a good football team. We got a little conversation this week on that line. I don't know how the hell you rank it. I mean, it's getting to the point where it's silly. So, anyway, Terry, Penn State, best team in the Big Ten. I'm not backing off that line, no matter what you tell me I have to do. Well, eventually, 
eventually somebody's going to win a football game and somebody's going to lose one. And then we'll agree with who's the better football team. Luckily, we, we can keep um, we can keep with our um, opinions until then and say whatever we want to. That's the fun of it. Anyway, let's move on. The other number three, and you're going to love this one, partially due to one of the number one picks this week. Um, honestly, I didn't want to give anybody the number one pick. I would have preferred to have a five-way tie for number two. Ohio State Buckeyes get my number one pick this week. They are number three because they don't get as much love from Andrew. They climb from a from the four way uh, from the number four tie from last week. They climbed to number three. Ohio State was off this week. I cannot move a team that is off. You know, if I move somebody above them, that's because that team did it. I'll do that, but. Um, or, you know, in this case, it was Georgia dropping. So everybody shifted up a little bit. But Ohio State was off this week. Um, their record stays at 4-0. and And on the horizon for Ohio State, they host an undefeated Maryland this week. Um, that could be an interesting game. I think we both agree Maryland is one of those, sure, they're undefeated. We'll see what they are. This will be a good game to really see that. Um, and then after that game, the next two weeks are at Purdue. Not much of a test. But then Ohio State at Penn State in two weeks, or three weeks, I guess, if you're counting this week as one. But um, that'll be a big game to shut somebody up. And that'll be a fun, fun showdown and a fun result for this show. That's for sure. Any thoughts on Ohio State? Put it State? in reverse, Terry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, put it in reverse. Put it in reverse because I got the schedule jacked up. Uh, are you telling me that the game is in Happy Valley this year? Oh, no. I'm it's at Beaver it Stadium. It is, it is actually, yes, you're right. It, I do not have the word at on my notes, but I may have said that incorrectly. I guess I was thinking about Michigan plays at Penn State, I believe, later in the season, but Ohio State – Hosts pins. It's the host. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I was going to say because right. that changes everything. Because I promise you, it's going to be an ass whooping on Ohio State. So, this is how I downvote Ohio State. Let's go to church, Terry. Fuck Ohio State today, tomorrow, and forever. I will never support the Buckeyes. I can't support the Buckeyes. I learned on another show you should go check out Wrestling with Pondwater Dave and friends that they have a piss trough at Ohio State Stadium. And I simply cannot support such nonsense. Secondly, uh, the, the, the article, the, the word the, but it's pronounced oh, yeah. the, the Ohio State. I cannot tell you how much that fucking annoys me to the point where I hate a team for a three-letter word. Oh, and the third factor is they always choke when it matters the most. So, Ohio State, Ryan Day is not the sewing machine they've been in the past. They're not turning it up like they have in the past. Yes, they beat Notre Dame. Terry is very infatuated with Notre Dame this year. He thinks they're the <laughs> measuring stick for everybody, which is why there are one lost team that's the eighth team on the poll. Um, blame Terry for voting Notre Dame up. You know I wouldn't. But at the end of the day, oh, he did, Ohio guys. State's He's lying to you. He voted them <laughs> higher than he wants to admit. Ohio State's a great football team. 
and they're going to be tested by Penn State three weeks or whatever it is. Yeah. But it's going to be fun. It's a three. It's a three-way race in the Big Ten. Yes. It's Michigan. It's Penn State. It's Ohio State. And it's a three-way race. And there's really, you know, people can argue with us. Here's something to argue about. I don't think you have a clear winner because I'm of the opinion that Penn State's the best team in the Big Ten, if not one of the best teams in college football, probably, in my mind, the third team, third best team in college football. You're of the opinion Ohio State's better than Penn State. And then we got Michigan right in the way because we'll both stipulate their defense doesn't turn or doesn't make mistakes. They don't turn the ball over. They run the ball. They control the ball. We don't know yet. They haven't been tested. But they haven't played anybody, so we don't have any idea. And they won't for a very long time. We're going to be talking about this a month from now when they finally play somebody. Yeah, and that somebody is going to be Penn State. So, um, fuck Ohio State, to finish my thought, because they deserve it. Couldn't (laughs) happen to a group of nicer group of assholes. And uh, I'm going to keep downvoting them just to annoy Terry. Even if they beat everybody. You know what this is, ladies and gentlemen? This is proof that it really is Ohio against the world. Correct. Because (laughs) fuck them. And that concludes today's church. (laughs) All right. So we talked a lot about a team that didn't even play this week. (laughs) Now let's move on to number two. In the TNA top 10 for this week, the Florida State Seminoles, another team that did play this week. Um, they stayed kind of where they were. A lot of teams moved around them. Uh, they were off this week. They stay 4-0. and um, Next week is not going to be much different because they host Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech is pretty bad. Oh, oh terrible, terrible football team. But then the next two weeks are teams that – you know, as I say, have a pulse. Um, so the next two weeks involve uh, Florida State hosting Syracuse, which mm-hmm. suffered their first loss this week to Clemson. And then that's followed up by hosting Duke. So they come off an off week and they have Virginia Tech. So, um, you know, the expectation is that they show up you know, any football team cannot show up and not take their opponent seriously and screw up. I don't expect it to happen. They'll show up. They'll put a beat down on Virginia Tech. And then Syracuse could be a little bit of a sneaker team. But that Duke game is pretty intriguing. You know, Duke put it on Clemson. You know, we talked about Clemson's probably improved since then. But I'm very interested at that point of the season, two weeks from now, um, you know, what's that going to be with Florida State and Duke? That's going to be a pretty intriguing game. But that is enough about another team that hasn't played this week. You got any thoughts there? Well, move on to number one. Yeah, the only the only thought that I have, honestly, on all that, Terry, you you summed it up pretty well. Florida State didn't move in my mind because Clemson came out and dominated Syracuse. Yeah. And it leads me to believe that I was correct about about Clemson. I know we've got a little interaction with our fans about this. Clemson's still a very good football team. They got two losses, but this is a well-established program. 
very good football coach, very good football team. Now, you can say two and two makes you not a good football team, but they lost to Duke, and, of course, they lost to Florida State. It matters who you play. And that's what I'm getting at is that, you know, I told you I had to incorporate my coaches as Mm -hmm. who's going to be, you know, the number one or two team, and we'll get to that in a second when we talk about Texas. But the other thing is is that the strength of schedule and your quality – quality of wins we already did terry stop it he's drunk he's drunk everybody that's his third they drag. might have thought that texas uh, wasn't ranked this week come on anyway yeah. carry on sir. so here's the here here's the deal with the here's the deal with florida state for me quality win over lsu quality win over clemson clemson then plays hard against syracuse now they'll have a common opponent there, and of course Duke, they'll have a common opponent as well. I certainly think that Florida State is the best team in the ACC, and Duke's quarterback being out is really going to limit what they're able to do. But uh, I still want the best football available, so I'm all for all for Florida State having those games where they've got to struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no reason in my mind to vote them down. And in the same breath, I'll say this. There was no reason to vote them up either. Right. So I didn't see where they're the number one team in the country. Right. And we're going to get to my rationale for Texas here in a moment. But that's that kind of concludes my thoughts on Florida State. All right. Well, let's move on to number one. Um, obviously, that's Texas. That should be no surprise. Either you've seen the poll or you know who we haven't talked about. But Texas rises to number one. From a tie at number four after Georgia drops down. And really, Texas wins 40 to 14 against Kansas. It was an undefeated Kansas team, a decent football team. You know, they didn't have their starting quarterback. Um, Texas improves to 5 and 0. Kansas, with their first loss, is now 4 and 1. Um, so this is a good win. I mean, they've got the win against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. And now they've got a win against Kansas. A couple of good wins there. And, you know, there's the whole quarterback situation with Kansas, but they still came out and beat a good football team. Texas, you know, um, that's who we chose to put up at number one um, as we combined them. And, um, you know, if anybody deserves it, I can't argue with it. Uh, they've got a couple of wins to look at. Um what do you got for Texas here? The Texas team, physical dominance, coach is great. I think I think that beating Kansas doesn't really matter. I said that last week. Um, but they did it in such a fashion that you can't really say it doesn't matter. You know, um, the big game coming up, the Red River shootout. They got Oklahoma this week. That'll tell you where Stark's team is, but it should be smooth sailing after that if they get by Oklahoma. And the reason I say that is the Big 12 is not what we'd hoped. The bad thing for Texas is if you're looking at a strength of schedule tiebreaker, they're not going to have it. They're not going to have the schedule to justify a playoff spot if it's close. And I think, if anything, this, Terry, that we've learned by ranking these teams is they're a lot closer than what we might think. Um, yeah. particularly when we can't, you can't say like you could in 2020. I shared that clip with our with our audience when Alabama's offense had Waddle and Smith 
and uh, the running back um, and Mac Jones and the running back who went to Pittsburgh. I just lost Najee, Najee Harris. Harris. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, and Michi, and that's your offense. You know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's pretty damn stout. They weren't going right. to lose any games that year. Um, but that was a very clear cut team. We don't have that this year, but what we have in Texas is a physical team with a dynamic offense. They play great defense and their head coach is one of the pupils of Nick Saban, which is always going to get votes with me, but Starkeesian before the Saban rehabilitation was the head coach of Washington and USC. So he, he's been a head coach at the big programs. He's led the big teams, and he's played in the big games. And by the way, that Alabama team I mentioned, he was their offensive coordinator. And they rolled everybody, no pun intended. But when you have Jalen Smith and, uh, you know, uh, Waddle or Jalen Waddle and uh, Smith and you have uh, all of the rest of them, you're not going to lose many football games when you pair that with Alabama's defense. Texas's formula is what I'm getting at, is very much like that. They have a very well-established offense. Their defense doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and they have a head coach who's salty and been in that game long enough that he knows how to win, and he knows the right calls to make. So when it gets down to those tight games, do I pick Brent Venables or do I do I pick Steve Sarkeesian? Your Oklahoma head coach versus – and both of them been in the game a long time. That's not disrespect to Brent Venables. But this is what I'm saying. I give the edge in coaching next week to Texas. Stark has played on a lot bigger scale in the head coaching position than Brent Venables. And to me, that matters. To me, who the head coach of the football team is matters. And Terry – is about to do his best imitation of Nick Saban and throw that headset. I can see it. It's coming. <laughs> uh, we've been talking about Texas, the number one team, um, a couple of good wins. They've got some opportunities, obviously, this week against Oklahoma to prove that even more or, you know, for a loss. We'll see what happens. We'll talk about it next week. But let's move along to another list of games that um, did not involve our top ten teams, but good games nonetheless. Um, Oregon State beats Utah 21-7 on Friday night. Uh, Utah still doesn't have their starting quarterback. Um, same story, Andrew. Uh, Utah is good, but they're missing a giant piece in their arsenal. And until they get him back, we're not really going to know who they are. Now, Kyle Whittingham said it best. You can't win in the Pac-12 if you only score seven points. His defense played fine, but they didn't get 200 yards of total offense. Without their quarterback, they're in trouble. Um, I still like Utah because they've got that defense, and defense is, got, is the only thing that kept them in that Oregon State game. Here's the thing I overlooked when I predicted this game last week, though. Oregon State also plays defense, Terry, and I didn't know if you were aware of that or not because when you're looking yeah. at Washington, Washington State, and it's 38-35, you're like, well, they didn't really play defense all that much. But pretty good defense for the Pac-12. <laughs> That's right. But, and, and I just overlooked it. But they really did play great defense against Utah. They did enough to get the job done, yep. sealed it with the final uh, turnover there at the end. But certainly, Utah's got a couple question marks, the big one being when's the quarterback coming back. Because if it's any longer than a, a, another week or two, 
they may not have a chance to win that Pac-12 title. Yeah, I mean, you're you're going uphill anyway, and if you don't have your full potential by the time you're playing the bigger games, um, you know, it's just too late. Let's move along yeah. to the next game, Alabama 40 at Mississippi State 17. Miss Terry told Nick Saban, chew their asses out if they need it, and he did just that. We had talked about him being a little more laid back this season, but that ended this week, and they got a big win. Albeit it was Mississippi State, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. Are they on the right track with this, Andrew? Terry, absolutely. Nick Saban is back, and that means Alabama's back. Nah, and I, I, I mean, I get it. It's Mississippi State. But the thing that's been lacking is Nick Saban has not been Nick Saban. I think we can all agree to that. Anybody that's watching college football this year, Nick Saban has not been his characteristic self, the perfectionist, the man that criticizes a 70-0 to zero win, uh, you know, the man who's screaming and hollering. Uh, on the last play of the LSU-Alabama national title game because Alabama jumps off sides, LSU crosses the 50. They hadn't done so all night long. This is the man that coaches to the end. Called a timeout with eight seconds left with a 40-plus point lead. So we finally got to see him. I sent you a little video on our Facebook. Don't know if you saw it or not. He's chewing everybody's ass Saturday night. I mean, he is lit up Saturday like the old Nick Saban. Um and we both laughed about it when he played Ole Miss, but that that uh, video of him chewing Lane Kiffin out, same sort of deal. What happened after he chewed Lane Kiffin out? They started running the ball, and all of a sudden Alabama started winning the football game. So, um, you know, and I love Lane Kiffin. Don't get me wrong. We're going to talk about him momentarily. But um, Saban has got to be Saban. And, you know, this is something I deal with in my own personal life, and you and I have talked a little bit off air about it. You know, I've had some uh, feedback and such uh, at work and all this other stuff. But if I can't be me, then I'm not nearly going to be as effective in my role and my job as I have been for the last 12 years. So if there's somebody that wants me to rein it in and pull it back, <laughs> well, that's good for you. But at the end of the day, it's not good for the company and it's not good for the business because what I do has been very successful. The screaming, the shouting, the headset throwing, all of that stuff is Nick Saban. And that's in your the office demand, at work. That's correct. The demand for perfection. I seek it every day. I understand somebody else who seeks it as well. Um, the process, the playing the game. So this is one of the reasons I love Nick Saban, because he and I have a very similar thought process in our businesses. His is college football. Mine is the car business. But he has to be able to be himself. He can't be pressured or 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 even no pressure, but just wanting to be different. He's won seven national championships for a reason. So all joking aside about Terry giving him the, the excuse or the reason that go chew their asses out, whatever it was, he needs to be able to be Nick Saban. He needs to be that demanding almost tyrannical head football coach because that's what works for him. That's his process. And that's what works for him. And at the end of it is seven national championships with two different teams. Well, you know, the real story had to be, he wasn't doing it to the team. So he probably went home and tried to do it with her. And she said, that shit don't fly. <laughs> you go do that to your players and don't bring that crap home to me. 
Yeah, you know she runs the house. Like that's, that's right. not a joke. Like that, he that's, will, this he carries will, out. He will admit that quickly too. All right, that's you Ms. Terry, by the way. Right. Ms. Terry. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so so you uh you mentioned Lane Kiffin a minute ago. That's the next game we got on this list here. 55 to 49. A shootout in Oxford. Ole Miss beats LSU. Um I don't know. I don't know. Two good teams. Uh I don't know that either one of them is really gonna be pushing for a conference championship but both of them are good um what do we get from this that's a lot of points for the sec what do we take lane kiffin lane kiffin finally gets the big one you know i sent you a little blurb from him on his little message four years this is as proud as i've been in the fourth quarter the way we played football you know he got the victory over lsu that's a big deal i mean even if brian kelly thinks he's an established football coach he's not but LSU is an established football program in the SEC, and he took them down. And in the SEC West, it's Alabama, it's LSU, and it's everybody else. And Lane Kiffin took a successful step in take getting out of the everybody else category. Um, tough loss against Alabama, made some questionable decisions. But you talk about balls out in that fourth quarter. I mean, it was stupid. Yeah, I joked about a basketball game earlier when you we talk about the Pac-12. But, I mean, when does the SEC score 100 points between Not the two much. teams? When do you see that happen? You know, it doesn't. I mean, the uh, one game comes to mind, or the shootout, of course, was the LSU-Alabama game from 19 when Joe Burrow was the was the quarterback for the Tigers that go on to win the title. Um, that game got out of hand for the SEC. It was like 48-45 or whatever. But this was even worse. And the beauty of it was Lane Kiffin didn't have to hold on for overtime. Uh, you had texted me and said, why is he going for two? And I said, because if he gets six, then if they only need six, they don't need to kick the extra point, you know? Yeah. So real real good, real smart move from him. But his defense seals it for him, and then they win the game. And uh, really happy for Lane Kiffin. I don't think Lane's a top-tier quarterback or a top-tier head coach, but I think he's a top coordinator. Obviously, one of the greatest offensive minds we've seen in the last two decades. Um, and he's got the right places going. The problem is, in a very talented, talent-rich environment that the SEC is, and it's only going to get worse with Oklahoma and Texas joining next year, Old Miss kind of gets lost in the shuffle for for recruiting and yeah. and for, for bringing teams there. And I think it's the problem Auburn's going to have, no offense to you, I think it's the problem Old Miss is definitely going to have because they don't have uh, uh, Mike Leach there any longer. Um, these these teams like an Alabama, like a Georgia, like a Tennessee, even a Florida. They, I think Napier's done though. I think he's going to get himself fired before the year's over. Um, they and and Kentucky has the same problem. You're not going to get the top best of the best of the best because you're in the middle of such a talent deep, rich conference. But I will say this, Lane Kiffin's made the most of what he's got and very well-deserved win on his hand. On the other hand, Brian Kelly, LSU, great effort. But, but I think they believe their own press. I think they actually think they're a good football team. And it's okay to have that, you know, inner swagger 
But then you've got to go out and beat people. And they lost to uh, Florida State handily. And now they've lost to uh, Ole Miss. And I think the other thing that shows, Terry, is Lane Kiffin's the last one you get into a shootout with. It's not not really a smart play if you're an SEC coach. Yeah, so these are the next two games for Auburn after their off week. So that shows you that there's tests ahead for them. Maybe opportunities, honestly, with both. Um, like I said, they're not quite consistently at that level, so we'll see what happens. Um, as far as recruiting goes, I'm pretty interested to see because Texas and Oklahoma come in, what kind of impact that has on recruiting because realistically the way recruiting happens, it's kind of like Georgia. Obviously, they're going more national now, but obviously they – recruit in-state, they go into South Carolina and get some players, they go to Florida and get some players, and that's most of their recruiting. Alabama's in-state, uh, and they're national. They'll go to Tennessee, they'll go to Mississippi. You know, Auburn and Alabama have stolen from Mississippi, the state of Mississippi, for years. Uh, the challenge over there is to keep teams from Alabama from dipping into Mississippi or from LSU from dipping into Mississippi. Um Auburn realistically recruits a little bit from Alabama. They battle Georgia more, and that's been a, a negative. So they're, they're close to the Georgia line, so they get a lot of players from Georgia and Florida. My question is, you know, how are Texas and Oklahoma going to impact that? Because I think there's enough players in Texas. I don't know that they're going to make a huge impact from a recruiting standpoint just because they have enough of their own players over there that um, I'm interested to see it, obviously. But but I think there's enough enough players in the Southeast to go around and keep the Southeastern Conference pretty solid going forward. But let's move on to the next game. Oklahoma, 50-20 to 20 against Iowa State. It was a little closer at halftime. Uh, they pulled away a little bit, didn't give up any points in the second half. Um, I was absolutely wrong on my South Carolina pick. Tennessee handled business. They won 41 to 20 against South Carolina. But here's the big game we probably need to talk about a little bit. We did a little bit earlier. Kentucky just owned Florida 33-14 this week. Kentucky was just running the ball. Um, Ray Davis with 280 yards on the ground. Kentucky really showed up. Kentucky, legit team, complete team, bold team. Head coach is where your question mark is, and it's not a, not an offense to Mark Stoops. It's because he's not had the big game experience where he's been successful. They're going to play Georgia. I'm putting Georgia on upset alert this week. I didn't mean to steal your pick if I did, but I think Kentucky's playing good enough football that they really could upset Georgia because to the discussion we had earlier about Auburn, Auburn's missing component was being able to convert those third downs. You have a good running game with Kentucky. Guess what they can do? They can convert third downs. They can control the tempo of the game. They also, because of who that coach is, and for those of you playing along at home, if you don't know, the Stoops brothers are known for defense first. And Mark Stoops, uh, certainly embraces that call and Kentucky's defense against Florida was locked down, shut down. Um, 
it was ridiculously good. And then, to your point, you have a running back who does 280 yards by himself with the help of the offensive line, of course. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Georgia could be in trouble. And this is my upset alert. Putting Georgia on upset alert. All they right. may bounce back because of the piss-poor performance of, uh, against Auburn. But I don't think so. I don't think Georgia is a complete football team. And I think there's opportunity for that pass rush of Kentucky to get home. They get that young quarterback off his spot and get his timing off and get him flustered. Kentucky's got a puncher's chance of winning this one. It would be close. It's not going to be a runaway. Talking seven points, maybe ten, but probably seven. Uh, But I'm giving this upset to Kentucky. Awesome. Getting it in early before I get a chance to steal them all this week. I see how it is. I remember what happened yeah. last week. It took you a while. I had to cut out a big chunk of you trying to figure out what your upset was last week for those who didn't hear that part. But we'll move along. Um, Missouri stays undefeated. Wasn't going to be a big test. They were at Vanderbilt this week. They won 38-21. And another undefeated team, Louisville, wins 13-10 to against NC State. You know, not an impressive win by any means, but they stay unblemished. Well, and they did it in Raleigh, and the Wolfies are rowdy, and they love the Wolfpack football. So good road test for uh, good road test for Louisville. Bigger test coming with with uh, Notre Dame. Bigger That's test right. coming with Notre Dame. Big time. So let's run down those undefeated teams. I thought this was a good time of the season to really look at who's still uh, without a loss. The ACC has three teams without a loss. Those are Florida State, North Carolina, and Louisville. Uh, there are two undefeated teams in the Big 12, and they will play this weekend. That's Texas and Oklahoma. Four teams in the Big Ten. The three teams we can't put in the right picking order or agree to at least. Those are Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. But you also have Maryland. Um, I believe did they play Ohio State this week? Is that who it was? I know they got a big game this week. Yeah, it's a, yes, it's it's Ohio State, and that's a trap game for everybody oh, yeah. playing along at home. That's a trap game. Mike Loxley's the head coach, former offensive coordinator of Alabama. Got one of those Tua boys over there um, playing quarterback for him. They are a high-flying, <laughs> high-octane offense. You better get your shit together, Ohio State, because they're going to come for the upset. Maryland knows they're <laughs> not supposed to win this football game. And anybody that doesn't know or think that they know they're not supposed to win that football game is crazy. Because I'm telling you right now, Maryland knows that they're not supposed to win. So Ohio State better have their game faces on. And I mean that with all sincerity because that offense of Maryland is coming. And they're coming to win. So I like, you know what I like about what you just said? You picked the easy name. I didn't say, say fuck Ohio State. You said, no, you said the Tua boys. Tua's his first mm-hmm. name. You didn't want to yeah, say yeah, yeah. Tagovailoa. Tagovailoa. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Tagovailoa. I got it on the first try, Terry. Redneck or not, we got it on the first try. try. I think we got it on recording. We'll have to look back at that and see how well you did. Anyway, so where was I at? That, that was the Big Ten. So the Pac-12 State, is similar. Maryland. Yeah, so yep. in similar fashion, the Pac-12 also has four undefeated teams. 
the three we also talked about being the big teams, USC, Oregon, and Washington, but then Washington State is still undefeated. They've got a win against Oregon State. Um, they were number 13 in the AP poll. Um, they're not in our poll because we only go to 10. <laughs> but um, pretty good, decent season. They may pull an upset against one of these teams. Who knows? Um, now we go to the SEC, and all the undefeated teams are in the East. You got Georgia, Kentucky, and Missouri. The West is either losing to other conferences like Alabama or uh, they're feasting on themselves. So um, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, the only remaining undefeated teams in the SEC. Um, there is one Conference USA team that's undefeated, and that is Liberty. Um, they are remaining a pretty decent program after Hugh Freeze left to go to Auburn. So they keep plugging away against their competition. There are two Mountain West teams that are undefeated in Air Force and Fresno State. I believe Fresno State broke the top 25 in the AP poll. Maybe they're number, number 24, 24 if I'm like not that. mistaken. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they're having some pretty decent seasons. You know, Fresno State's kind of got a history of that. Um, you know, they're not competing for national championships, but they win some football games out there. And then the Sun Belt, which um, – is normally seen as the weakest conference on an annual basis, has two undefeated teams still in James Madison and Marshall. And I don't know who they play coming up, but, um, you know, obviously they're not close to breaking the, the polls here, but um, they are undefeated. So we're going to keep mentioning them until they lose. So let's see, 8, 9, 10, 13, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 undefeated teams in the country across eight different conferences. All right. So I said I would update us a little bit on the computer poll. Here's what I did this weekend. Um, I figured out a place I can get some data. Uh, there's an API available, so I don't have to download anything. I can just write some Python code. Um, I've got that part done. I got a password to get in there. So, so I got all that, but now is the tough part. I've got to figure out what exactly do I care about? I have so much data at my disposal and I've got no idea what to do with it. So obviously we're going to have to have some conversations, talk about um, what statistics we like, obviously wins and losses, who you played, um, you know, turnovers are going to come in there and that kind of thing. Um, Lots of opportunity there. I might do some research to see if anybody's done any analysis on the the factors that normally matter to predict winners and losers in college football. That would be nice. So I've made a couple of steps there. Maybe in a week or two, we'll see the first results from that. But I will warn you, and I've done this before, um, there's going to be some really confusing things that come out of the computer because computers don't think like humans. We code them up, and they do exactly what we tell them to do. Our problem is, and I'll give you a scenario, all the nerds are going to love this, and everybody else is going to start snoozing, Andrew. So don't fall asleep on me here. But I will give you a Nerd scenario. Kid. I will go ahead and give you a heads up. Here's what's going to happen. Here's a scenario. Say everybody in the whole country has got at least two losses except for Michigan and Ohio State. 
I picked those two teams just to rile you up a little bit. Michigan's only loss is to a one-loss Ohio State. Ohio State's only loss is to a six-loss Nebraska. Which team's better? Obviously, the one loss. Well, they both got one loss. Well, uh, you're saying the one that had the loss against the one loss? Yeah. Right. So that's how the computer would think. But people's argument's going to be, but they beat them head-to-head. See, that's the kind of thing you get into. Head-to-head is not, to me, uh, at least when you when you start thinking about this logically, head-to-head is a factor that people lean on too much. You know, it's... Oh, uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because I so use head-to-head a lot. Exactly. But if they were... But the thing is, their only loss is that head-to-head. They lost to a better team than the other team did. Right. So there's a lot of argument ahead of us when we start talking about that. Um, but we're here for it. I love the argument. But I will say this. I'm not saying that I'm I'm going to be good at figuring this out because in the past I had a hard time with Boise State being really high in the pole. <laughs> and I kept trying to push them down in the pole because they kept beating everybody. Oh, well, we'll see where it goes. It'll be fun. It'll they be had, something to laugh what, at at, best, at worst. What a remarkable run they had, though, now that you mentioned Boise State. That oh, yeah. might be a, an off-season topic. The boys yes. on the blue carpet, because they had a hell of a run there in the early two thousand, mid two thousand. That's right. Yeah. So we. We'll I mean, they, gather... they beat Oklahoma for God's sake, and wasn't it the Fiesta Bowl? Yeah, and I think Brian Harson might have been the offensive coordinator for that game. <laughs> yeah, and then he screwed was, up uh, Auburn, and yeah, Peterson. Peterson was the head coach when they beat Oklahoma. Right. Chris Peterson. Yeah. That's right. So, yeah, we'll definitely um, think about some off-season topics with teams, conferences. I think um, good seasons will be a good thing. Maybe we can re-rank um, some seasons and see what we think versus what the AP said. That'll be fun. Well, well we got four listeners that will support this suggestion, the 1995 Cornhuskers. Arguably, <laughs> arguably. Top five team ever. Oh, yeah. Ever. (laughs) So we're going to have some fun with that. I'm sure Miami's going to find their way in that. Nebraska is Alabama. I guess we're going to have to have some Alabama shows. um, Auburn 2010, Terry. Just say it for your people. We'll have have some of those. I think 2004 will be a good season to talk about if we're talking Auburn there. you know, I think we got. Oh, USC won that year, fifty-five to hey, nineteen. If you go to the NCAA website, <laughs> they say that there is no champion for two thousand four. Auburn ended up number two, so I don't know how the hell that happens. You know, you know. Yeah, because we'll, they stripped USC of the title. Yeah, that's right. Shouldn't we fall right into a national championship in that case? It, is is that the way you want to win it, no. Terry? This is not <laughs> no, what our not. people want to hear. It's not. It's not. Anyway, we'll get into that later. Just some um, heads up on what we plan to do in the offseason. I don't see us – I don't see either one of us really want to put in the effort to track recruiting. 
So we're not going to have an off-season about recruiting topics. You can get that somewhere else. There's experts out there that know that better than we do. We'll talk history. I think that'll be something we'll have that maybe other other um, podcasts don't have, and it'll be some fun. All right, let's move on to the week six slate. Um, this week's games, Auburn is off, and we kind of discussed that earlier. Nebraska is at Illinois, so obviously we're we're interested in that game. Uh, each week we pick five games to pick. Uh, we call these our marquee games, so let's run those down. We've got Washington State at UCLA. These two are teams from the Pac-12 that, you know, they don't get talked about as much. Uh, Washington State's still undefeated. But even though UCLA's not undefeated, they got a pretty good quarterback over there, too, and a decent team. Um, I'm picking Washington State in this one. You got any thoughts for the home team winning this one, Andrew? No, I agree. I agree, Washington State. But I, I think this could be a trap game. Washington State does not need to go into the game overly confident. Chip Kelly will have his offense firing on all cylinders. It's a quarterback-heavy league. There's going to be a lot of offense. Washington State's going to need a couple extra stops in this one to get it done, but I think they get it done. All right, yeah. I mean, I I think that's going to be a pretty good game there. I think the, the line might be like two points. I think UCLA's actually favored in this one, even though Washington State's number 13 in the AP poll and UCLA's unranked. So you don't see that very often. But um, that should be a pretty good Pac-12 game. So the next game we pick here, uh, Syracuse, who just suffered their first loss to Clemson, is traveling to North Carolina. You know, I really entertained the thought of picking Syracuse here, but I just don't see them going to North Carolina and winning. So I'm picking North Carolina with this one. All right, we need to cut this shit out because we about to agree for the second straight week in a row on the picks. But Mac Brown got North Carolina playing. They're coming off of a off of a uh, off of a down week or an off week, and now you've got uh, Syracuse coming to town. The thing is, Chapel Hill is a very hard place to win. Mac Brown's got the offense firing. They're quietly having a very nice season. Um, I think that I think this one's close, closer than the Clemson game. But I think that North Carolina gets it done, and they're going to do it with offense, not defense this week. All right. Well, you said we're agreeing too much. I don't think we're going to agree on this next one. And I'm going into dangerous territory with two consecutive weeks of this. It blew up in my face last week, but I'm going to stick with it. Alabama at Texas A&M, and I'm picking the home team here. I'm picking Texas A&M to pull this one off. Oh, fuck off with that, Terry. Alabama wins. They win by 17. I don't give a shit if this is in College Station or not. Jimbo Fisher's not worth the contract. He's not worth the $70 million or whatever it is to be the head coach at at Texas A&M. A&M got Nick Saban, and they're not going to get him again. Miss Terry has her boy playing all the right words, right notes, and Nick Saban's back, bitches. So Alabama runs the table in the West. They're headed to the SEC title game in Atlanta, and they're back. The one-loss Alabama is back because Nick Saban is back, and that is proof that that team runs through him, and maybe he runs through his wife. But whatever the formula is, Alabama three scores. Three scores this week, Terry. Roll Tide. (laughs) See, I told you we wouldn't agree on everything. 
So the next one we disagree on also, but we've already made our picks earlier in our discussion, so I went ahead and marked it down. Kentucky at Georgia, a huge game this weekend. I picked Georgia, and um, you picked Kentucky as your upset alert of the week here. So we've already established that. Anything else we need to say about this one? No, I just think Kentucky is – or Georgia's ripe for an upset. I mean – they did not play well against Auburn, which sometimes that means they're going to come back and play their best football for a team, depending on how they respond to that game. But do not overlook Kentucky. We talked about it, 280 yards rushing from their running back. They play good defense. Georgia is ready to be beaten. They're playing like they don't want to win all 13 games this year. So I'm going with Kentucky. All right, and we got one more. It shouldn't be a big surpri- surprise if I can get those words out. <clears throat> Red River shootout, rivalry, whatever you want to call it. Oklahoma, Texas at the Cotton Bowl. I'm picking Texas here. What you got, Andrew? Last year, Texas wins 49-0. Never happened before. Brent Venable's team is gutted, and they all play for Southern California now. He's got his team. He's got them playing, but it's year two. Stark has the advantage, I think, offense, defense, special teams. There's a physical edge Texas is playing with right now. I think we see Texas win this one, not 49-0 to by any means, but probably two touchdowns. I think you give this one to Texas, and they have to win this one because if they don't, you may not see a Big 12 champion in the 14 playoff at the end of the year. That's true. That's true. Yeah, our number one team in our poll, we're picking to win again this week. So don't expect a whole lot of movement there unless there's an upset, I would say. So let's run through another um, little collection of games here, um, kind of big games around the country that didn't quite make the, the pick them games. LSU travels to Missouri. LSU, um, kind of a heartbreaking loss this past week against Ole Miss. And they're traveling to a Missouri team that is still undefeated. But they're one of those undefeated teams that really hasn't faced a test. What are your thoughts here? LSU with the bounce back. Missouri hasn't been tested, as you just said. LSU's a real football team. That's no offense to Kansas State that I thought was a better football team than they are at the beginning of the season. But Missouri is going to get outmatched physically. They don't have the same recruits and the same talent level on on either side of the ball on the line of scrimmage. And LSU has got to bounce back because they're second horse in the West right now behind Alabama. And let's not forget Ole Miss has the upset over, over LSU. Good teams bounce back. They respond to adversity. We'll see what coaching Brian Kelly does on this one. I think the offense of LSU is too strong. And you see LSU win this one. Yeah, I agree with you on them winning. I'm not sure I agree with you quite much on um, the LSU being that second team there. I don't know that we've seen enough from them this season. You know, in the past few seasons, I would agree. But this season, I just don't see it as much. Um, I think Texas A&M, obviously, after picking them against Alabama here, uh, I think they are uh, rising up. Um, if Ole Miss decides to show up, maybe they're there. I think LSU's got some competition. Um, I do think they win this one pretty convincingly, though. Double-digit win for LSU. 
So um, my upset pick of the week, um, Arkansas over Ole Miss. This one's being played in Oxford. I think Ole Miss is um, probably going to be high after the big shootout win against LSU. I think Arkansas is a sneaky team. Uh, I don't think they're, if you know, with everything the same, I don't think Arkansas is as good as Ole Miss, but, you know, I don't think Lane Kiffin's all that consistent. And I think it's a, a ripe opportunity for Arkansas to come in and get a win here. To quote Lee Corso, great pick, Terry. Great pick. Pick in Arkansas over uh, LSU or uh, Ole Mississippi, Miss. Ole Miss. Uh, great pick. However, to quote my favorite video, put in reverse, Terry. Old Miss, 21 points. They're taking Arkansas down, riding the momentum from last week. I think Lane Kiffin has finally got it figured out. I think we see a good running game, rushing attack. Not to say that Arkansas won't fight it up a little bit, but the offensive firepower of Old Miss, too much in this one. All right. We'll see as an <laughs> – Sorry for the delayed reaction there. But I will tell you this, though. As an Auburn fan, I kind of want you to be right because I want more West teams I can count on to be um, a team that Auburn can play with. So if Arkansas shows up and gets waxed by Ole Miss, that gives me a little confidence against Arkansas later in the year. So let's move on. we got um, two undefeated teams facing each other in the Big Ten. No, it's not two of those three, but it is Maryland going to Ohio State. Um, I don't think either of us is going to be brave enough to pick Maryland here, whether they got one of those Tua boys or not, right? But anyway, um, I got Ohio State pretty easy here, double digits. You better stop, Terry. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be down to the end. It's going to be the last possession. Fuck Ohio State today, tomorrow, and forever. But Maryland loses this one. Touchdown. Ohio State wins. Go Buckeyes. And no, I don't fucking mean that at all. The go Buckeyes part. Right. Yeah, I knew it was that part. I know you mean the other part. Okay, so the next game we got, we're going to talk about a little bit, is Wake Forest at Clemson. Obviously, Clemson's got a couple of losses. But, um, you know, they're against good teams. Probably the best two-loss team in the country, I would say. Um, people are giving you crap for believing in Clemson probably, but, um, I don't see Wake Forest doing much here. Who fucking picked this game? Clemson's going to dog walk Wake Forest. 35 points, all defense on Clemson's side. Offensively, they get it together and they start running that momentum. Clemson, 10 wins by the end of the season, have a big bowl game, will not play for the ACC title. All right, the last game we're going to talk about a little bit here. Uh, Notre Dame travels to Louisville. Louisville's still undefeated, but they're kind of that, well, now they're going to have to wake up and play a real team. So Notre Dame at Louisville, you know, I think the Irish walk. Yeah, I I, uh, I think Notre Dame's way too good for Louisville. And, you know, Louisville produced a Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, I get it. You know, that team has got some great offensive firepower. They did not look great against NC State. What turned the game was a targeting call we talked about earlier in the show. I say Notre Dame, after that tough, tough win against Duke, 
that defense is going to give Louisville problems. Their offense is going to do more than enough. And to your point, you said walk with it. I agree with you. Um, you don't ever predict the points I do. Probably three scores or more on this one. And I think Notre Dame comes away, you know, looking pretty good. So, you know, we've had some fun this week. We had some audio issues. <laughs> we've had to correct those. Um, we thank My everybody for yeah. listening. <laughs> but um, one thing that we haven't done, and I, I think I want to make it very clear, uh, we are on Facebook, uh, T ampersand A top 10, spell out the word 10. That is what we are on Facebook. On Twitter, we are at T, spell out the word and A top one zero. Um, and for the individuals here for Twitter, Andrew is at 30 year fan and I am at T weave 79. We hope you connect with us on social media. We thank you for listening to the podcast. Do you have any final thoughts for us this week, Andrew? Uh, no, other than fuck Ohio State. And thank you all so much for listening to my craziness. We have such a good time doing this, and we honestly want your feedback. We can't, we can't continue the show without good ideas. We had a couple really good ones last week. Um, really nice fan interaction from a couple people this week. We certainly appreciate it. I, I'm not calling you guys out by name because I don't want to embarrass you. And not that you're right or wrong, but that I, I don't have your permission to mention you on by name. I'm not going to do it. So, um, oh, and I forgot to say Dave in the QC. <laughs> I was about Florida to say State is number quote. two this week. <laughs> Okay, so listen, guys, we really appreciate it. Like Andrew said, um, we're just two guys that decided to do a podcast last minute. Hadn't done this before. We're learning as we go. We're having a lot of fun. We hope you are listening to us. Um, we're going to say some stupid stuff, but we don't care. It's fun. Um, we appreciate any feedback. Andrew's Andrew's claiming he doesn't say any stupid stuff, but I'm going to disagree. We're going to find some video and audio of that throughout the season. But we do appreciate any good reviews that you provide us. Don't provide us bad reviews. We don't want to see that nonsense. Mm -hmm. um, and any feedback you have, as long as it's constructive, don't be a jackass. But um, as always, we love you. You have a good week. And we'll see you soon, everybody. <laughs>